0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Back to Basics. My guest today is Eric Alexander. He's the founder and creator of NOLA PAPA, which has been recognized for several years in a row as one of the top LGBTQ parenting blogs in the country. He also hosts a podcast and is the author of the recently published children's book, The Secret Mermaid's Review and The Adventures of Fatty Underwater. Hello, Eric. Welcome to Back to Basics. Hello, Leticia. Thank you so much for having
1: me. This is uh, and honored.
0: Thank no, you. I'm honored and I'm very excited because I know that you're advocating for a very important subject, of course. And and I'm a, I am like to think that I'm a change maker too. So anything we can do to, you know, just bring different perspectives to the world and, and just to, to let somebody else's experience of life from a different point
1: of view, I think is always valuable. I love that. It's almost like you know, putting on someone else's pair of glasses, you know, and it, it, you might not be able to see fully through them, but it's their own glasses in the way that they view life. And if we could just be able to put on other people's glasses without, you know, worrying about the way that the glasses look or whatever, then I think we would be better off with the analogy.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, they call it empathy and it's one of the toughest trades to to nurture for whatever reason. But Eric, let's start, you know, with with your upbringing, because obviously, well, that's what I always start in my podcast. But in your case, I think it's particularly uh, important also because you had, you know, a difficult journey to come into a place where now you feel, you know, self-confident and and you're living the life you wanted. You, you you know, in the research I did, uh, you created that life and I, I, I admire that so much. So tell us a little bit
1: about your upbringing and your childhood. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, it shaped me into who I am because had I not gone through the turbulence in South Mississippi, I don't think I would have the head on my shoulders as I do today. I grew up in a small, very small town in Mississippi called Prentice. And Prentice is kind of you look at Mississippi's like right below midway, so right below the belt of Mississippi, and it's you know maybe a thousand people in the town, very very redneck. You know, redneck is a term I can say, I, I I can I'm strong in saying that because I grew up around it, and that's just how you know people are, uh, fear based, very fear based people. And now I can't look into it. I can't blame them because that's all that they know. And if that's all that you are, you know, then that's all that you're capable of. And uh, the growth that these people maybe never encountered. And I uh, was in all of that for, uh, you know, until I graduated high school and, and hit the ground running. Now we did move from Prentice to, you know, only about 40 minutes away to Hattiesburg, where I grew up for the rest of my life. In fourth grade, we moved to to Hattiesburg, but still it was the demographic, you know, the demographic, 40 minutes, whether it's a thousand people or a bigger town, it's still you're around that demographic. Hmm. And it was, I knew that I was different, you know, Growing up, uh, I saw that the way my own dad and family members talked about gay people, how they uh, was so derogatorily, the the language that I I mean, it was just so foul, you know, and always shaped towards gays or you know uh, another demographic, and it was just, I'll never forget. How that made me feel and almost kind of like a, you know, those fish in a in an aquarium, those little fish and like they stay behind those rocks, but like they venture out and then they come back in. That's how I felt for the longest. I was so traumatized at the way that the fears that I had and if I were to bring the fears out and just... That the way that my dad would talk about my uncle, who was gay, okay, my uncle died of AIDS in 1989, and I was told for the longest that my uncle Thomas died of cancer, and I grew up knowing that. And when I found out that he actually was gay, he moved to California from Prentice, Mississippi,
0: Mm.
1: and he was gay he ended up getting hiv then aids and then dying and i wasn't allowed to see him uh, all i knew is he was sick with a very very terrible illness it was cancer and my dad would call him faggot or queer and it those i'm 41 today and it is so i can hear it like it was like i'm sitting in the car by, beside him it And it's something at that age, I think it does something to a kid, or at least it did to me. And I knew what I didn't want to be then, you know, and that was to hear the hatefulness coming from him and knowing how I didn't even want to be like my own dad.
0: Well, that's, it's, uh, you know, powerful. I I did read in one of your blogs, like uh, that, you know, that your own dad taught you what you didn't want to be as a dad, which is. Um, you know, I imagine takes courage to recognize, but at the same time, it gives you, you know, that vision of, you know, clear vision of what you don't want to be, which is also powerful.
1: It, You know, and you're so right. It's like to, the way that I looked at it was, I I knew in my heart what I wanted and what I wanted to do with my life. And the the mean situations and those gross emotions that I was, I grew up around, it almost is like a roadmap of where I wanted to take my life because all of the destinations I was around right there was like, you. Uh, I I imagine.
0: I imagine. And so and I know and we have so much to talk about. I want to talk about the book and all that. But I think this part is important in terms of for other people, too, because I know uh, you can inspire others. I'm very religious. I'm Catholic. And one of my best friends, when he came out to me, he said, you are the last person knowing this because you're the most religious one. And to the day <laughs> he tells me I was the most supportive. I, you know, I've done New York with him when we were both single and he got me to the best gay places and I danced <laughs> like crazy and I loved it. I was at his wedding, you know, and I never and I say him, I see you so happy now. And I know the person you were when you were dating women and where you were back in school. And and it's just like I cannot justify anybody not supporting their loved ones or friends or other people just to pursue what makes them happy. So I know you went to that personal journey into the, into the same, pretty much coming out to your family. It was also a spiritual family, I understand, or religious in any
1: way. Yes, yes. And to hear you say that how deeply rooted you are to Catholicism. That is so powerful because, again, that's where people hide behind fear. Because you can be devoted and and still embrace someone else's love. You know, it, it's I think amazing. it's the
0: Ten Commandments. I don't know why people completely take scripture so literal. And if no part of it, you could not comply with any part of it if you took it literal. So I get surprised sometimes to see people that practice their faith. But they're very convenient into what part they take literal from that same uh-huh. book, and so I think that it's you know in, in all religions acceptance uh, is key component of that religion. No matter what you're talking about, Judaism or Buddhism or Christian, you know, faith. It's all about accepting others. And so, and, and, ju- and being judgment free, I think that's really at the basis of all of them. But, you know, I understand that there's a lot of conflict. So that's part of why, you know, I think um, those of us that can see that acceptance, you know, we have to embrace and raise the, the volume a little bit and, and try to find the empathy. So do you want to share anything Absolutely. in terms of that own? path for where you are also spiritual. I know you were participating participant in church. My friend, too, by the way, he said that was one of the biggest thing where because he was so involved in church that when he came out, that was
1: really hard for him to do. Yes. And, you know, having a life in the church and hearing again, you know, I, in the southern Southern Baptist, the use of, you know, hell, fire and brimstone and like, you know, the the terminologies of gay, like they don't hold back in in church. And I would listen to, you know, the pastor in the pulpit saying that and knowing how I felt, but then finding God again later in life in another religion of Episcopal, still Christian, but in a whole nother domain of embrace and empathy and love and in a complete different direction from the way that I w- was raised in the church. Still Christian, but completely covered in judgment. Like, so I am so happy to know that I, I'm still able to have, because I love church in the beginning, well, growing up, like choir and all the and youth, all the stuff. But I, but now as an adult, I can't have that toxicity of judgment. But finding it later in life with Episcopal, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And,
0: and you know, and it's—I—I I am a firm believer that if you look for it, you shall find. And I tell these to people that I see that have been turned off by one faith or the other or one church. And I say, even within your faith, you have good, it's like everything. You have good doctors, bad doctors, good cops, bad cops. You have good priests, bad priests. I mean, you find it everywhere. So it's about also finding what you need within, you know, your belief system.
1: I think that's super important. And the people that... Give up on it. Maybe like I look at the cynicism and the stuff that, you know, we're plagued with in our society and it's like people give up after they see something that hurts them and rather than moving on to something else like another religion. They, they b- become jaded and cynical. I love that way of looking at it. Let's Absolutely.
0: It. And good. even within your religion, because I'm Catholic, I went to a non-school for 14 years and all that. And But even, I mean, I think that there's distinction between the church itself and the institution and the teachings. Yes. And so I've read the Bible cover to cover and, uh, you know, it took me many years. But then I interpreted my way. I have a brain. God gave me a brain. And so I also kind of question within my own religion what, you know, I I really want to support and not. But in any case, uh, having said that, you move on and you, you came out and obviously you started creating the life you wanted. So do you want to share anything about that, finding the right person? I read one of your blogs and I loved it because I like, oh, he sounds like me when I was trying to find love. And, you know, you also were in that moment (laughs) where, you know, finding that right person and you wrote it so beautifully about meeting who is your husband today, Doug,
1: right? Right. Yes. Yes. I, uh, you know, he is my rock. We met 16 years ago and the word like, the room, the world stopped when we looked at each other. And, you know, that feeling never went away. Uh, I knew that once we had babies, it was different than us being a couple. Mm -hmm. And, And I didn't, I wasn't ready for that. You know, again, and this is where little Eric, when I was from Mississippi and like, you know, made fun of for being gay, me, me and Douglas, when we walk in, that's two guys walking in to a room. But when you put a fan, like kids with those two guys walking into a room that turns all the heads mm-hmm. and i i i was like a turtle or that little fish again hiding behind the rock you know because oh, i have chill bumps like that that's a lot and i didn't realize that we would be poster boards because when you, you when you drive in a car and you like see these billboards like you you know, you look up, you're not meaning to read it. You just, Mm -hmm. there it is. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are. We don't mean for people to see what we, we are. And that's what we are, you know? And it took a minute, Leticia, to really get confidence. And, and it was my husband that got me to shoot me out of it because it was a teaching, look at it as a teaching opportunity for anyone that stares because they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and 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 it's not necessarily there being mean, they're curious. And I need to embrace that curiosity and not run from it, because they're curious, maybe because they want to learn more, or they want to be more empathetic, you know, so if I am self conscious, and if I am guarded, then I'm not going to give them the full opportunity of learning what this two dad family is about absolutely you know absolutely and And that's why i wrote
0: it yeah and i think it's you know i think everybody's learning as we go through this and 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 as i share if my kids go to catholic school and my daughter my seven-year-old daughter asked us the other day why one of his friends has two moms and so you know for us it's also a learning curve because it's like okay now we have to come up with why because of course you know you want to say, well, every human being has to have a dad and a mom. That's how we are all, as human beings, get made. There's no way around that one.
1: Yeah.
0: And so you want to, and we always, me and my husband have said, we never want to lie to our kids, never want to go and embellish or do so. So so we also had to come up with, you know, well, they, they have a dad and a mom, but this is a different type of family. And as you said in one blog, love is love. It's great that the Catholic school uh, where my kids go, I, you know, has no problem. And and I've heard people having problems and I say, but this is not the world we're living in. We have to be accepted again. But I think they, they're they such great parents that they, they are, you know, just by doing, by being the best moms, they can be to these uh, two kids. We all, you know, in all, of it too. So I think it's just a learning for everybody where these barriers get changed and reshuffle. And again, as I say, being Catholic, I'm sure I get people like, oh well, uh, why she's voicing out this because it's stuff that I we have to also
1: understand where we stand on all these issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 the visibility allows you and your family to have that dialogue and to create this conversation between your family like units together and had you not been able to see had she had not been able to see you know with her own eyes another you know type of family then it's all about authentic visibility and allowing people the freedom of having their authentic lives you know and and trying to hide it and, and and not wanting to show it because of other people's agendas and all the things. That's such a miscued representation of, of the view of what what our society needs, you know? Absolutely. And I do think that we always judge the
0: situation by the worst case scenario. Like when you say, you know, they see two guys walking with three kids and people are like, ooh, what's that? And, and you know, and you always have like, People like putting far fetched theories out there, you know, and then but then I say imagine three kids and I would love for you to share about the adoption, because I think, you know, if there's a kid out there that is not receiving the love from a family and they have the opportunity to come into a loving family rather than to be, you know, in an orphanage or something like that. I mean, I think that's powerful. I much rather have that, you know, because this is a family that you create and I've seen the pictures of yours and it looks adorable. So would you, but I'm sure it was a tough decision because as you say, it's, it's like the same decision, like, oh, we don't have kids or now having kids changes everything. So you have... Regardless of it's, uh, you know, a gay parents blog or right, you have a parenting blog and I can learn. I I was reading and I was learning a lot from
1: it. So tell me about <laughs> you. how
0: how you went into let me create a parenting blog.
1: Well, when Allie Mae was born, our oldest, she's almost seven now, I wanted to collect my own thoughts. And this was around the same time as learning, <laughs> learning when we walk in, everyone is staring. I, I felt like that what I brought to the table may be different. I didn't know then because I was brand new to it. So I was like, well, you know, maybe I can just collect these things that I'm experiencing and just put it down and hopefully it might help someone out there. And little did I know that not only did the parenting thing help, and you know, but the way that we shaped our family brought questions and how other people could learn more about adoption. And we knew when we first, I I knew I've always wanted kids and it probably, you know, was rooted down because of the poor uh, father figure I had. And I wanted to really be step up the game and Douglas, you know, he has the heart of a dad, but in 2015, when we decided to leap on it, We uh, knew adoption was it because uh, surrogacy is so so expensive. And uh, I mean, to each their own, it's great. Uh, But for us, we knew that even in New Orleans, there's so many kids, Mm -hmm. so many babies that need homes, you know, Mm -hmm. and we really, we, we jumped down the Google hole. Like, you know, I'm sure anybody that wants to look for uh, ways to adopt and we learned you know, about different agencies and different parts of the country and LGBT agencies and family friendly agencies. So much information. It's daunting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was another reason it was like, dang, I need to write this down, you know, because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a lot. And, and, my, and I
0: have a question. What Was it a lengthy process from the moment you decided to
1: get in your firstborn? They told us, Leticia, it would be five to seven years. Mm-hmm. So we were like, "Oh my goodness, we better start because we'll be in walkers or something by mm-hmm. the time they get in graduation." Yes. And three and a half weeks later, we had a baby in our own.
0: Oh, well, that's I amazing. Mean, and you know why I asked you this? I asked you this because one of my good friends, she was single, she had not found the right guy, and uh, you know, she decided to adopt on her own. And she had so many people against it. Uh, how are you gonna adopt? You're never gonna have a dating life again, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the, everybody is super hard, super difficult. And, you know, I'm so proud of her because she embarked on it on her own. And the process was so quick. They, but same thing, they told her it's gonna take a long time. And, uh, you know, the process was so quick that the first time they say the baby's gonna be born, she said, "I don't, I don't know." Like she had to revisit the whole thing, and uh, <laughs> yeah, because it was so quick. And so I want to make sure that anybody listening to this, that's considering adoption, you know, either you're a single parent or you're, whatever your situation is, just try because I think a lot of people get paralyzed by this thought of it takes a long time and it's never going to happen. Well, she got her baby and let me tell you just for closure, she found the man of her dreams right after (laughs) she found the baby and now they're happily married and everything they told her would never happen because she was embarking on that journey to be a single mother and adopting on her own completely was the opposite.
1: Can you you imagine how much fear she must have had in her to be a single mother, mm-hmm. like, like, or a woman that wanted to become a mother and living in a, a man-filled world and all the things. And she, she went that, for it. How beautiful. It's
0: beautiful. And she has a beautiful family. She created the family she wanted. And it was so counterintuitive. And that's why I like that story. I like your story. And that's why I asked how fast it was because People they they don't move just because in their brain they create these stories, you know, to just justify not making the decisions. And then when yeah. you do it, you know, just feeling your gut, you know, and following
1: your heart, magic happens. So And that's what it is. It's magic. And it's magic from the universe, from our higher power, from God, our angels, whatever have you, whatever you believe, when you look fear, oh I have chill bumps. When you look fear in its eyes and you do good over the fear, then all of it aligns and you're blessed. I feel that in my being. Yes, I totally, totally
0: agree with you. And you know, and as I say, and in, in her case, like you, she said, I could go and have a baby on my own, but there's so many kids that need so mm-hmm. a home that why am I gonna put somebody already that's not gonna have a dad? That's not good. Why would I do that and rather than just provide a family and a home? Well, a home at that point, you know, her, she was her family right. to start with. And now she ended up with siblings and, and a bigger <laughs> family. But so I, th- I think there's a lot of beauty in that. But so to your case, you know, you didn't stop at one. You went on and now you have three kids, if I'm correct. So tell us yeah, a little bit cool. about about your family.
1: Well, thank you. I I do want to say it's not all sunshine and roses, (laughs) you know, because three and a half weeks came fast, but there were also very scary close call failures and they call it a failed adoption when it just doesn't go right and it it, it ends and it doesn't end the way that you want. Uh, That's brutal. It's brutal. And it's almost like, I don't know, but I do know I cried for a week. I was like on the couch. It was very sad. It felt like we lost, you know, it was a a miscarriage or something. It was very Mm -hmm. sad. Mm -hmm. And it's not always, you know, good things always happen because you have to just be strong and where you're standing and know where you want to go and then have trust in the face of your journey. And, you know, we we welcomed Ella, our our second, who is black. Mm -hmm. And she is our little mocha drop. <laughs> and I love the vibrance that she brings to our family because we're two white daddies. And living in the South with two Hispanic kids and now with Ella, our our beautiful African-American daughter, she, and that's another, you know, uh, element to where people look at us and are like, whoa, they're different, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And it now brings conversation because, you know, I'm not having to hold the baby and like, I can now focus on whoever's asking it. And it just, it brings for the most part, there are really, you know, tough times, but for the most part, it brings intellectual intelligent conversations. And then during lockdown, our little man was born (laughs) And that brought a whole nother uh, dimension of it because, you know, we brought the little boy into a girl filled house uh, and that's funny all of it's on its own. But yeah, we're, we're a circus, man. Right.
0: I, <laughs> I have only two and it's uh it's plenty. So three, it's uh, already, you know, something to admire, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you. I'm very happy. And, and And so you have a podcast going on. Is that correct? I do, and, yeah, and yeah. it's called unscripted Anola Papa.
1: Yeah, unscripted Anola Papa podcast. Uh huh.
0: And, yeah. and, and um, tell us a little bit about it. I'm sure that some of my audience will be curious to check it out.
1: Well, thank you. I knew after writing for you know six years, I, I thought there has to be a way that I could introduce new content and talk to people verbally about inspirations that led them to where they are today whether it's family building you know because we work with gayswithkids.com who is a national platform and website that helps gay dads find resources to you know build their own families whether it's fostering adoption or surrogacy and I was like wow that's cool let's I want to work with them. And then I uh, there's celebrities. And I was like, oh, they're inspirational. I want to talk mm-hmm. to them. And <laughs> I was like, I'm going to package it into a show where people can just learn all around and apply what they want to their own life. And it, it it's great. <laughs> I love it. I love
0: the concept. I think, again, you there's so many dimensions into your subject, you know, and, and, inspiration in general and family in general, plus all the, you know, the specifics of your own situation. But I think I think it's great. And then and then not to say that, because I can tell you already are a guy that doesn't get bored. You decide to uh, (laughs) write children's book, which is uh, I love it. And I assume you take some of the stories
1: from your own children. Tell us about it. Absolutely coming from a parent, I hear that. That's good. Yes, because we I I wanted to put the important dialogue that I write about in Nola Pop up, but shrink it down into the mind of a little and apply the knowledge that maybe I want them to learn, but put it in a way that they could understand. They love mermaids. Why not have our family as mermaids? Mm -hmm. I love it, you know, and Uh, A friend of mine named Victoria Zimke, she is our illustrator and the most incredibly gifted, I'm still mind boggled because she was able to listen to what I wanted the pictures to look like. And she was able to look at our family and find the attributes and the different things that make us who we are and bring it. To like cartoon form and she did it in such a way that i feel like it's it's able to tell its story even without without the words i feel like i i love i i'm so happy to work with her and we just released the new one and i didn't want i wanted it to allow kids to find their passions and their talents uh and it not revolve around the first book like Addie. That takes really the subject matters from society and breaks them down to where kids can understand. I didn't want something so polarizing. I wanted it to be something very easy, and you know, not have to de- delegate so much time to it, you know, in conversation with our kids. Uh, and that's what the Secret Mermaid Review is about. And you know, all kids. I want to have the opportunity to find their talents and what they're good at. And when they do find it, I want them to help others find theirs. And that's what it's about. When you help others find their talents, then we can all find what we're good at together. Mm, that, that's
0: powerful. I interviewed somebody here on the show that said that in the first seven years of life, your na- natural talents, sh- you know, you expose them. And and as parents, we have the responsibility to, like, understand what that, what they call superpower is. And, you know, and and, and people grow up and we can be good at many things. But, you know, then there's the one thing that, like, I, like when I started this podcast, I always knew I played pretend interviewing when I was a little girl. I always loved it. And but I never, you know, did anything with it. And I went into a profession that had nothing to do with it. But then you see this manifested in a way where I was able to bake it back in. Uh, and that's Absolutely. a lot of what this podcast wants to be. is Going back to what makes you tick, well, Back to your basics. But, you know, it, it's, it's also says that as parents, we have this great responsibility to if we identify the superpower, this thing that your kids are really good at. That as we guide them into what they will become, you know, to to also understand, yeah, being a lawyer is great, being an engineer is great, but if you see that a superpower is different from the traditional, you know, occupations, that we do have a responsibility to to highlight it, because otherwise we're almost ensuring that they are gonna not be as happy as they could be in the life they will create.
1: Love that. <laughs> There's talents and then there's superpowers. Yes. Holy crap. That is awesome. And for adults too, by the way, we all,
0: you know, we yes. all can live and doing jobs we're good at, but is it really what you shine on and what you, you know, what you're the best at? And so it's, uh yeah, I, I did the same thing when I came to that realization. Like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> That is amazing. I love that. I'm going to apply that to my own well, world. I, I'm, I'm happy. There you go. A new, a new uh, book concept. But uh, <laughs> so, so Eric, I, I always give an opportunity. We've spoken a lot about things. You have a lot of exciting projects going on. Anything else that we haven't discussed that maybe it's exciting that you want to share with the audience? Uh, I mean, your blog is awesome. So I would definitely have that on the
1: show notes. What else do you wish well, to share? <laughs> Thanks for asking. I am super excited about our brand new website. We have a brand new state-of-the-art website that takes, because we have two, what site has two sites? We I have nolapapa.com and nolapapa.store. So much information. It gives anybody like anxiety to look at all of it. So now it's going to be put into the smooth one place that is uh, i'm so excited and it comes out in a month and it's gonna have the blog the show the books and one spot that's great (laughs)
0: well that's great We'll for sure be on the show notes uh and that and you have you really have a lot of great content so i think that thank you that anybody that wants to check it out they're gonna be um as shocked as I was, and I like finding oh, I need to spend more time in this blog because you have really good parenting <laughs> tips. And uh, so I, I I cannot finish the interview without asking the the must question in the show, which is when things are down. When you were down in that sofa for one week, you know, feeling sad when that happened, that made you feel sad. What made makes you tick? Again, what do you go to? What do you do? Is there anything you, if you're really resourcing a practice to get back
1: excited? Wow, that's a good question. I don't want to make myself, I don't want to make myself sound like a holy roller. That's what we call people in Mississippi that like live in church. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I prayed on my knees. Mm, I love that. I have chill bumps again. I prayed on my knees. I'm not one to pray on my knees. And I prayed on my knees a lot. And all three times of having babies I prayed on my knees. I guess it's the loss of control and 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 I don't know. That's what I did with TC. Oh, well,
0: I, I <laughs> love yeah, I have it's gonna go in the books as one of the most beautiful answers, but also because to be honest, I think people listening. we'll we'll know that there's no stereotypes. We all have the same needs. We all have the same fears. We all pray for things we want. We all are high or down at some point in life. And I think, as you said, when we started this conversation, if we put somebody else's glasses on and we realize that the colors are still beautiful, but they feel different. And when we understand that difference, then we will never... Be too quick to judge or too quick to assume, and we would allow it just to be. And yes. and and so I I really admire everything you're doing and and the family you created and uh, you know I think you you have important work to do and I know you want to bring change to the world and and I just love the way you're doing it because I think it's also important to say that you are not imposing the change you're you just want to highlight that things are different. Yes. yes. And I think that's very important. You know, I'm a woman. So in my world, that diversity advocacy means, you know, I'm a woman in a male-dominated world. But I tell people, the more you push this diversity thing in in the wrong way, you create the wrong reaction. And, and you know, I, I humbly cr- cr- author a book, and I said it there, it's not about being one of the boys. It's about being part of the team. And that's how I approach my work. It's not that I wanna be with them. If I do that, I'm gonna be excluded. And what I wanna be is included into the boys' club. And <laughs> and then, and, then <laughs> and I did, and for twenty-five years, I got it to a point where they forget I'm a woman. And that's what I wanted. And and go. so I think with this is the same. You want to forget the fact that you know this that I'm gay. this family like, looks on. this way <laughs> and the other family yeah. looks that way. They're just a family. And and you know and they have the same challenges and love and things that most families have in a different package. And so I think that that's for what I see. That's also your the way you're approaching it. And I think that's necessary to create the change we want.
1: Thank you. You hit it nail on the head. I mean, that, that's how I feel. And you you the with your show and your voice. Where are you from? I'm from Venezuela. Oh, I love mm-hmm. it. You have such an infectious way of articulating your thoughts and the combination of your accent. It's, Really good. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Eric. Well, we now you know you have a friend in
0: Miami. I know I have a friend hopefully in New Orleans, which I love. You absolutely. You know the Venezuelan consulate. Come- uh they closed it down in Miami many years ago, our government did, so that people in Miami could not vote. So I've been in besides for work, I've been there to vote like six times. <laughs> Every time I have to vote, <laughs> I have to fly to New Orleans, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, well, we're definitely going to share all your info. Thank you for being here, Eric. I love everything you're doing and, and all the best and keep shining.
1: Thank you so much, Leticia. This has been an honor. And from my family to yours, we send you NOLA love.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in and until a new episode of Back to Basics. Bye bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics.